Hey everybody, welcome back to The Outpost. I'm your host, Kayleen Morris. Today we are super excited to bring you our first student-centered thesis episode. I sat down at the end of spring semester after all the thesis presentations were done to talk with our juniors and seniors a little bit more about their thesis and also to give them a chance to kind of interact and converse further with each other about their topics. In this episode, you'll be hearing from one of our graduating seniors, Macklin, discussing his thesis question, and you'll also hear from one of his classmates, Moira, who pipes in with some questions of her own, uh, as well as the voice of Lillian, a sophomore student at Holy Rosary, who also was a part of helping form Macklin's thinking about his thesis question. We're so excited to give you this taste of the amazing conversations that are happening at our school all throughout the year, but especially in our spring semester thesis season. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the podcast and support us at patreon.com slash the outpost AK. Let us discuss or hear about Macklin's thesis. So Macklin, our, our Holy Rosary lifer. Oh yeah. life. What is life even outside of Holy Rosary? We don't know. What, what is school? There is other schools. <laughs> so Macklin, tell us about uh, your thesis question and what got you interested in it, how you chose it. Of course. Well, my thesis question is whether it is possible to transfer a human soul into an inorganic vessel. So my main reason behind choosing this question was because I generally like computers and like AI and other things like that. And I heard of... Uh, self-computing programs like self-building things where they can learn so machine learning and that got me interested in other fields of technology and then one thing that i noticed that appears in sci-fi that's pretty related is transferring the mind to like a robot in some way that way you can live forever or be like extremely powerful one show in particular or one movie in particular that i watched was ghost in the attic which was recommended to me by my advisor in the middle of it and I'm like ooh this is amazing so yeah I just want to give a shout out to it real quick but anyways what is the premise of that movie the premise of that movie is that there are basically society has advanced in like I think it was in the year 2030 only but it was released in like the 90s so but yeah basically humans had a bunch of augmentations and things so like some people had just their brain and the rest of their body were machine or other things like that. And everyone always had a subbrain, which is what allowed them to connect to the machine. But the ghost in the shell is about this shell of a body with no brain that only has a subbrain. It's like semi vague with how it describes things, but it makes sense. The more vague you are, the more you can get away with. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So tell us how, well, first of all, did you have, your question is, was about whether it's, uh, this thing was possible. So Actually, I think an interesting first step might be what were some of the terms that you needed to define? Ah, uh, well, since my question is about transferring the soul, it seems very clear that the first thing that I should define is a robot. Just can I define the soul first. So uh, I start off by using Aristotle as my source because what is a classical school if not Aristotle, Aquinas, and Plato just name big names and we probably read about them <laughs> but yeah so aristotle defines it in his de anima which is all about the soul basically which happened to be big help that is the first actuality of a natural body having life potentially in it body so described is organized which basically means that uh, it's what gives the body any ability to do anything at all so that's what first actuality means and 
it has to be in a body that is organized, which means basically alive. I basically defined life as the having the ability to grow and absorb nutrients because this is common to all life, including plants, animals, humans. And yeah, so these are the main things I defined. And with this, I went on to prove my thesis further. So tell us about some of your objections because um, it seems it just, I guess it strikes me immediately as like, no, of course you couldn't do this. <laughs> So what kind of objections did you come up with? Well, actually, I don't even know if I asked you what your, what your thesis statement was, what, uh, what your point. Um, oh, yeah, I guess I kind of forgot to mention that. Um, well, I agree with you. It's not possible to transfer a human soul. So let me give you some uh, examples as to why someone might think it might. So uh, one of the first objections I posed was the fact that the soul is detachable from the body. Everyone kind of knows this because when you die, the soul leaves the body. Otherwise, you won't be dead. So uh, this seems to be pretty well known. And most people also know that you can take, whenever you detach something, you can always like attach it to something else, you know, like rip off a cube of a Rubik's cube and you can stick it to the wall. Now you have a wall ornament. But yeah, so apply that logic to the soul and you can attach the soul to an inorganic vessel like a robot. Another objection I posed has to do with potential and actuality. So if you know your philosophy, you can instantly understand what that means. But in simple terms, potential is just like the ability to do, uh, having the future possibility of it happening. Uh, and actuality is what causes that to actually happen. So a good example I used in my thesis was being able to be lifted, right? So a computer is be able to be lifted and a book's able to be lifted. Well, based on this fact, things with the same potential seem to be able to actualize in the same way. Because if I lift a computer with my hands, I can lift a book with my hands. So it just seems to make sense. And then my third objection has to do with the fact of how far technology has advanced, basically, because we're able to replicate many parts of the person. We're able to replicate speech patterns, the sound of the voice, as well as just a way a person could think. Even facial expressions in some robots where they have a human face, and it's kind of creepy, but at the same time, semi-interesting. Okay, so talk us through then the, yeah, those are some good objections, which you had to be kind of creative, I think, for this question coming up with objections, because you have to try to think, what, what is something that would be reasonable, you know, reasonable argument against my position? Yeah, the whole thesis as a whole, I had to be pretty creative, because no one really talks about this stuff that often. Can't you imagine, like, who wouldn't want to talk about it? But yeah. Right, philosophical level, it's kind of more, yeah, sci-fi, just imagination, people are interested in it from that respect but when you actually want to get into the philosophical principles yeah <laughs> exactly uh well the way i went about proving my point mostly for uh, the whole thesis is i took two main routes i took the route of theology more theology based route and then a more definitional based route on what the soul is so aristotle and thomas aquinas big names uh, gave me some pretty good insights about the soul, which basically can be summed up in the fact that the soul is tied to the body intrinsically. So like the body and soul need each other in a way because the soul needs information in order to rationalize, which is one of its key parts. And uh, 
it needs information gathered by the body because it's purely uh, spiritual. And so this union of soul and body is what makes a person individual. And according to Aquinas, this is true and is also the reason why we can say that angels are each their own species, if you may have heard that. This is where it comes from. Because uh, each of them have to be their own species since angels are individuals, but they can't be individuated by matter. But for us as people, our souls can, be diff- can all have the same human nature because we are individualized by our bodies. And then uh, the other route I took with the more theological basis was uh, through the last judgment in the resurrection of the dead, right? So the resurrection of the dead would imply that uh, the soul and body are reattached to one another because being resurrected means being alive again. And to be alive, you need body and soul. But the thing is, is that it's not a soul with any random body. It's your soul and your body reunited after the last judgment. And yeah, I basically use these to help disprove my objections. So with the first one, I talked about how being attached and reattached. Well, this is slightly, my response to this includes much of the fact that being attached and reattached is mostly a concept that can be thought of in physical things because you can't really do it with immaterial things. So like take the justice system and justice. You can detach justice from the justice system, sure. But you can't really like put justice on something else. It just doesn't make sense. Or for the second objection, I talked about the fact that a robot might be able to have the same potential as a human being. So might be able to do the things a human being can. But this isn't really possible because robots, as per my definition, aren't alive because I'm talking about inorganic vessels. Therefore, they're not able to perform growth, which is one of the key things that are common among all living things and one of the things that the soul helps do. And then finally, uh, in my response to objection three, even though we can replicate parts of the human person, such as facial expression, ways of speaking, uh, even the vocal cords, we can't really replicate the soul because the soul is something else. It's not just something that like happens to come out of the body. Uh, the soul is tied to the body and is just, instead of a trait, it allows the body to act in the first place, which seems, which is completely fundamentally different what did you use for your said contra so fun story i actually struggled to find a said contra for a while because as i said earlier not many philosophers talk about robots especially because robots didn't even exist during their time but i was able to find something from the catechism of the catholic church that helps my position so it talks about the unity of soul and body is so profound that one has to consider the soul to be the form of the body. Spirit and matter in man are not two natures united, but their union forms a single matter. The reason why this is related to my thesis is because uh, it helps prove that the body and soul are intertwined with one another in an inseparable union, making transfer impossible. And by inseparable union, I don't mean like they can't be separated at all. I mean by the fact that they are always tied to one another. I think you did a really great job of um, articulating some pretty abstract philosophical concepts <laughs> in really <laughs> tangible ways. So I congratulate you and thank you for that. Any uh, comments or questions from the other students? Yes. So it makes sense to me that you can't transfer a soul into an inorganic object but since the soul is 
pure spirit, it seems to me that perhaps after a person dies and the soul is like freed from the body, that then the soul would be able to, if it so desired, um, enter into an inorganic body. So it's not like a transfer. It would be like a choosing to dwell in an organic body. Would you agree with that? Well, the choosing to dwell in an organic body sounds almost like transfer, but in this case, it's just self-transfer where it just wants itself to be transferred. And either way, this wouldn't be possible because uh, of the fact that it's individualized by the body because it wouldn't really be the same soul if it resided in a new body. So souls, when they leave the body, do they lose their individuality? No, they don't, which is why uh, the soul is reunited with the same body after the resurrection or second, not the resurrection. I always say the resurrection. I mean, after the last judgment. She's not satisfied. She's giving a tilt of the head. I know. I see that. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, basically, because uh, according to Aquinas, the soul is individualized by the body and it's a human soul, right? Well, because of this individualization by the body, the soul is now like the soul of that one body, which means it doesn't really make sense that it could choose to reside within another body because the soul doesn't really choose to reside within the body. Is this kind of like the same reason why reincarnation is not possible? Yeah. So you can actually use the definition of the soul to help disprove reincarnation, which is actually one of the questions I was posed during my defense by Father Dominic David. So, What about a reincarnation of a non-human soul, like a plant soul or an animal soul? Uh, as for plant souls and animal souls, I would not be too sure about what I'd be saying afterwards because I only specifically researched the human soul because that seems the most uh, prevalent to us, especially with people trying to put their minds in computers and saying like, ooh, I am now the computer. But as for plant souls and animal souls, I'd go from my definition to say that you can't really transfer a plant soul or animal soul, really, because uh, since the soul is the form of natural body with life having with the potential of life having in it, it seems strange to say that that natural body, the form of it, which is what gives it the ability to live, would give something else the ability to live after it leaves the body. Lillian, do you have anything you want to pipe in with? Uh, yes, I remember, uh, I can't remember this, it was probably a Mary Day or Joseph Day on a Friday, and we were in Mr. Hodgson's classroom, and I remember we were all in there together and Macklin comes up from his thesis and he asked the question I thought like right away that I was like, Oh, this is like really cool. And I just remember he asked me to help him. Um, I think he had already come up with syllogisms, uh, but he like wanted me to like ask some questions. So I thought it was like really cool that I got to kind of like have a glimpse of it, but like before it was actually made and it brought back a lot of memories for me being at school too, which was really fun. So yeah, it was really cool. You got the behind the scenes access. Yeah, and your help actually did kind of help me. It gave me some ideas. Like, it helped me think more about it and helped me actually get even more excited for the thesis because at that point, I was struggling, honestly, trying to get that third objection, but I wasn't sure 
hmm, how can I say that you can put a human soul into a robot? I think I can speak for the whole faculty when I say one of our favorite things about thesis is watching the conversations unfold between students. It is so fun just seeing that happen. It's cool to know that it happens before thesis. I mean, I think we all see it in a normal year. After thesis, the the echoes, you know, continue throughout the hallways where people keep keep discussing um, the thesis questions. And it even goes like, I mean, people remember them for years. They'll be like, oh, so-and-so did this question three years ago and it was so interesting and it just sticks in your memory. So um, it's a real contribution to the life of the school for sure. Yeah, that's something I, I noticed I missed this year, just being like away from each other. Like even during normal like seminar, like even when thesis isn't happening, there's still these conversations that are being like brought to the lunch table that we're discussing and you get so much depth and richness from that, but it's something that we don't have in the same way now that we have all of our meetings on Zoom and such. You know, at this point, I miss talking about prevenient grace. (laughs) At this point, you know, I'm very down for that conversation. Oh my gosh, it's so great. I know it's the best at school when like fourth period lets out, we're about to go to lunch and some some class is coming out of a room like blah, 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 all on Twitter and it's mm-hmm. like, this is about to catch fire once we say our lunch prayers. By the time everybody gets over to the lunchroom, everyone will know what debate is going on and everyone will weigh in and it's totally so fun. Yeah. Uh, it could be Euclid, like at the beginning of the year, we, they were discussing a prop, trying to prove something to Grace about lines or something like that. I didn't even know what was going on, but it was just interesting to hear and things like that and learn like what was going on in Euclid and maybe church history, usually seminar, but yeah, it was really interesting. We'll get back to it one day. Hopefully. Uh, one day, mm-hmm. hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, Macklin, thank you so much for sharing uh, about your thesis with us. It's super interesting. I'm sure it'll be very thought-provoking for all of our listeners. Tell us about your, your general experience and um, if you have words of wisdom to pass on. Okay. Wow. My general experience this year was a lot more panicked than last year's, honestly, because last year I was on set for all the deadlines, you know? Like, I had my paper basically done even before March, I think, last year, which is one thing I noticed. I was looking back at my old thesis being like, hmm, when did I finish this? And then this year, it was a bit more rushed, but I was able to plow through the work. So one word of advice, meet your deadlines. I learned that again (laughs) this year. So people will tell you, meet your deadlines all the time. I know that you might not listen to it, honestly, but From personal experience, it saves so much more hassle because last year was just a calm walk in the park. This year was, oh no, where's my third objections? And then another uh, word of advice is, it's kind of an unwritten rule, but don't spring questions. I'll destroy your friend's theses like the day of. Make sure to tell them about that like beforehand. Say like, hmm, I see a giant flaw in your argument right here rather than when they're on stage and they have to struggle with it in the middle of an audience, panicked. It, so that, that comes up even as, um, as faculty, even as faculty advisors, there's been times where, you know, it's like your student is up there and they're defending. And then just some other teacher asks a question and it's just a bomb. And you're like, how did we not even think of that? Yes, I agree. Don't, don't <laughs> say the bombs for, for the moment. Awesome. All right. 
thank you so much, Macklin and friends, for <laughs> discussing this with us. <laughs>